This is the St. Louis Podcast Network. You're listening to the Last Man Up Podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network, stlpodcast.com. Matt Berger, Clay Byersdorfer, and Andy Hanselman alongside. Wherever you are listening to us, whenever you are listening to us, we hope you are well. We hope you're warm, too. Oh, it's just going to get worse. I'm freezing my ass off right now. It's bad. It's supposed to get worse, like this weekend. It's supposed to be colder. Yeah. I'm not sure about, like, the snow or anything. I'm hearing everything from one to three inches, the three to five inches. It might be more than that. It's going to be an all-rain event is your official... uh, Andy Hanselman meteorological. Andy Hanselman is predicting all rain. I'm fine with that because I'm supposed to be going to Louisville this weekend. Ooh, driving, oh yeah. and, you don't want to drive and back. driving back on Sunday. I can drive back in the rain all day. What happened? Okay, Friday. Yeah. This past Friday, when yeah. we got all the snow. Yeah. I left work early and I get in my car and there's no heat and no defrost. The no. blower's not working at all. You should get that looked at. I did, but I'm just saying that, thank God, I do not have a long drive home. Was it a thermostat issue, or was it actually a blower issue? It was the blower. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was the blower, because like I'm turning the knob, and nothing is, no air is coming out, none whatsoever. It's not even making a noise. I had a blower issue one time. I had to break up with her. Ah, boom, boom. <laughs> Just waiting for that joke. Uh, you put it on a tee for me. There, I, I kind of did. I, I blame myself. So, I'm driving down 364. And, you know, my windshield's starting to fog up. There's nothing I can do about it. So I'm taking off my scarf right. and wiping down my windshield as I'm driving and not trying to slide off the highway at the same time. Like I, mean, I said, it would have been safe. It would have been safe for you to pull over and, and do that. It would have been safer. No, but that's so not efficient. That's, I mean, well, I mean, it was a. <laughs> It was sufficient when I was wiping it off, but right. like pulling over and then trying to get back on the highway with everybody trying to stop? No. So what time were you driving home on Tuesday? On, I mean, I'm sorry, on Friday. Friday. On Friday, it was 3 o'clock. When I, le- okay, I oh. left work at 3 o'clock, and I went. I had, I had about like a half a tank of gas, and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be cocky. I'm going to go fill up anyway because you never know. You never know. I don't have a long drive, but still. Yeah. So I went by QT, filled up the tank, and then got on Highway K in O'Fallon, Anybody in O'Fallon knows that the K on Highway K stands for kill because that's, the, that's what that highway trap. makes you want to do. Yep. I'm on Highway K, and then for some reason, it's like not going anywhere. And I'm like, well, okay, this might have been a, a tactical error. Maybe I should have taken 94. Mm-hmm. What loosened up, loosened up, and then it started flowing, and then I get on 364. Really no issues. I mean, nice. just everybody kind of like taking it slow. Right. I didn't see any cars in ditches, but I mean, I felt hearing the stories about people on I forty four. Oh yeah, stranded there all night with kids. Talk about a nightmare. My boss uh, drove to Kansas City Friday oh, afternoon. Tried to drive to Kansas City, took her seven hours and only made it to Columbia. That's bad. Seven hours. I mean, that was right in the heart of the storm, like Montgomery yeah. City, where the big hill, you know, yeah. the the big yeah. hill, yeah, in between, yeah. Uh, like Warrington and. Columbia, they got 20 inches of snow. Yeah. Mid-Missouri. Just, Crazy. I remember when I was in school, we just get pounded with just pounds and pounds of snow. It seems like it always kind of happens like further up north, too. Yeah. Like people in Troy yep. and Bowling Green, yep. they're always getting a hell of a lot more snow, snow than what we are here that's a little bit further south. Yep. And it's not like we're talking about like a big, huge geographical difference. We're talking, you know, what? 50 miles maybe 60 oh, miles difference from here to columbia it's like 70, i'm talking about like from, from like north to south though oh oh yeah it's never a wide band it's not that yeah. wide no no it's from here it's 135 miles to columbia 
from here. Yeah, there's a yeah. sign on 270. Okay. It says 135 to Columbia. But I'm just talking about, like, talking about north to south. Like north to south. Yeah. I mean, like, you're like, like, sure, they get a lot more, like, poor Tara up in Iowa. Oh, She's oh, yeah. always getting blanketed with snow. It's even worse when you get further north than Minnesota and Canada. Yeah, there's, there's, a line, there's a line that kind of goes through Bloomington, Illinois, where it really dictates how much snow you're going to get. It's strange. It's very, yeah. very strange. It's so strange. Mm. Uh, one place where they get a lot of snow is Denver, Colorado. Oh, it sure is. And uh, Benjamin Albright from Rocky Mountain Sports will be joining us later to talk about the AFC NFC Championship games this Sunday. We're going to try and prod secrets out of them. And he he is probably the most hated man on Twitter because he makes bold statements. And people were like, well, what the bleep do you know? And then they turned out to be true. Right. And he doesn't really rub your face in it because there were times that I I thought he was full of shit. Yeah. And he could have he could have totally spiked the ball by face, and he never did. So yeah. he must be a classy gentleman. He's he's actually a really nice guy. He's from St. Louis. I don't know if he's from St. Louis, but I know he's got family that lives here. The first time I had him on was whenever he was. This is when I was on thirteen eighty. Yep. And he made a prediction about um, Peyton Manning. I think getting traded to the Dolphins or something. There were rumors about that going around. That's like the first time I ever heard about him. Yeah. And he even made it onto ESPN. It was like the middle of summer or something like that. It was one of those like really s- slow uh, news days. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, I think he follows me on Twitter. So I, you know, hit him up on the, on the DM. And slid I'm like, hey, can you? Yeah, I slid into the DMs. Slid and I'm like, into the DMs. Can you, can you come on and talk about that? And he's like, yeah, sure. So I've had him on several times since then. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Um, the big news is is that it's just kind of happening today, and man, did I get it that I start a big bleep storm on Twitter. Not a big bleep storm, but a little bit of a bleep storm on Twitter. You can say shit I saw, storm. I saw, I saw quite the... Uh, I didn't really fully read into the content. I know what you're about to say. I'm just going to let you say it. Okay, so the rumor is that Manny Machado has a contract out there from the White Sox. It's like seven years, $175 million. Mm-hmm. And if that's the contract that he ultimately gets, I will riot. I will riot. I may be a one-man riot, but I will riot. Ooh, the, another burger one-man riot. Another burger one-man riot. Those have gone well in the past. I, and, I enjoy and, the burger. And have yet to actually even start. But hey, Clay, I always threaten. Clay staging is one-man riot against Pizza Hut on Twitter. That's true. I, sure am. Have they replied to you at all? Uh, no. Okay. It'll happen eventually. Have, have they even blocked you? No. That's what I want. The, I, the, I want them to block <laughs> me. I would... I ble- They don't want... They... Basically, oh my, we're, we can't get on this. We talked about pizza last week. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> so, but that's what I'm here to do. I'm here. To, I'm here to no, point point the show in different directions no, I've said than what piece, Burger's trying to run it. I've said my piece <laughs> on this podcast. I'm playing defense against Andy Hanselman right. all the time. Sorry, I'm so sorry. It's okay. Yes. Seven years, 175 million dollars for Manny Machado. Yep. The Cardinals can very easily do that contract. Absolutely. If not top it. I mean, seven years and $200 million, the Cardinals could do that without even breaking the sweat. Right. So then I'm like, okay, let's say the Cardinals do do that. Then it's kind of like, okay, well, where do you put him? And I'm like, well, you put him at shortstop. You move Paul DeYoung over to third base. And then Matt Carpenter, I would trade. And then, man, you made it sound like I suggested that they tear down Stan Musial's statue and, and melt the metal and, and melt down the metal for, uh, um, you know, um, uh, Help me out here. A new bridge. A new bridge. <laughs> and name it after Dexter Fowler. You want to trade Matt Carpenter and not trade Dexter Fowler? What are you talking about? You can't trade Dexter Fowler. Right. He's untradeable at this point. Not because he's good, but because he's the exact mm-hmm. opposite. Because he stinks. Yeah. Right. He's, and he's not got worth a, shit. And he's got a no what he's got a no trade clause. And 
he's owed a lot of money. Yeah. So he's untradeable. Right. I'm not, I'm not saying you got to trade Matt Carpenter because I think he's a bum. I'm not a big Matt Carpenter fan. I'm, there's no secret about that. Right. You better not even think about trading Harrison Bader. He's a true son. Harrison Bader is now, I, I've heard, who was it? Derek Gould said that he's now the face of the franchise. The king is here. The king is here. <laughs> what do you think about that? I mean, Harrison Bader, be, I mean, I don't know, maybe two. We just haven't seen it. I, I, I think hate, it's a little early to say yeah, that. I just but haven't I mean, seen him more than one season, so I don't, he could completely suck next year. You know, he, I, he hasn't put together I mean, about, multiple What years. about the guy who wears number four? Is he not the face of the franchise anymore? That's why I, 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 I always figured this was Yachty's team until he retires. Right. And Wayno is and still Wayno, on the yeah, team. Yeah, I mean, Wayno's still on the him. team. I, I put a list of guys probably ahead of Harrison Bader. but I would even put Matt Carpenter ahead of Harrison Bader as far as face of the <laughs> franchise goes. Yeah, I mean, I would. I mean, yeah. I mean, anyway. I mean, there's always, I mean, there's a Matt Carpenter promo every season. Every season. Either whether it be a bobblehead or maybe like a Matt Carpenter t-shirt for the kids or right. come, meet, come meet Matt Carpenter at Schnucks. Honestly, if either <laughs> one of those players is the face of your franchise, you have a problem with your franchise. If Matt Carpenter is the best player on your right. franchise, you have if a Harrison problem. If Bader is the best player on yes, your team. I'm I not, would. Saying, not saying they're not solid players. They're not, they're not you know... Top they can't, five they, they type can't. Players, they can't be your best player. But they can't be your best player. No, they can't be. And a, you can make the argument for the past that the past three years that Matt Carpenter has been the best player, and that's the reason that's why blood. that they, the season has ended the right. way it has. Right. I'm obviously very in a very jovial mood tonight, but in a very in a very serious tone. I I think it's fair to say that Albert Pujols could still be the face of the franchise easily. Oh yeah. I mean, he was such a huge part of it for such a long time. Granted, he's been gone now for mm. eight or uh, seven years. Seven years. Mm. But he, I mean, he, but you think Cardinal baseball? You still kind of associate Albert Pujols with Cardinal it's, baseball. It's still weird to see him wearing an Angels yeah. uniform. Still strange. Twenty years, twenty five years from now, people are going to look. You're not going to think of Matt Carpenter, you know, as a, as a sport. You think of which, oh, Albert Pujols. He used to play for well, the Cardinals you know, back it, when they were well, okay, really good. Which is why I mean, like, I find it so strange when people say that Matt Carpenter is a, is a Cardinal Hall of Famer. I'm like, what for? I mean, like, he, like, look, he had a I'm bunch not, of doubles one season. I'm not saying he's a bum. He's a good player. He's a good yeah. player. He's not a great player. Mm-hmm. And I understand, B-Fib, that you love everybody. That's what you're known for, giving standing ovations to we Daniel love everybody. We love, Daniel yeah. Descalso. Daniel is my John favorite. John Jay. I love John Jay. <laughs> All these other different players. You can't be putting everybody into the goddamn Hall of Fame. No, you can't. You can't so do let's, it. So let's play, let's play this game. Who would you equate Matt Carpenter to from the 1980s, from, from, from say, between 82 and 87, from the World Series years? Like as far Tom, as the Cardinal player goes? Tommy Herr? Yeah. Ken Obergfell. But those guys, Terry are Pendleton. St- those guys are still household names in St. Louis. That's because, I mean, there's, there's nothing more romanticized than the 80s Cardinals teams in St. Louis. Nothing true. else yeah, I mean, is more. Whitey Ball. Okay, so then let's. There's then, people right now in St. Louis that think that Whitey Herzog is still managing Major League Baseball <laughs> when you know that there's no way in hell. He's going to steal. No, no, he's not going to steal. He's not going to steal anymore, Whitey. Um, okay, then let's take it to a non romantic period of Cardinal Baseball, the 1990s. Who do you equate Matt Carpenter to? I mean, uh, Matt Carpenter would have been the best player on some of those 1990s teams. Easily. I mean, hands down. Easily. Greg Jeffries? No, he's better than what Craig. Yeah. Je- well, no, Greg Jeffries wasn't a bad player. He wasn't a bad player. He had a great rookie card with the Mets in 1987. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he um, did. But the Greg, I'm having Greg, a hard time. Greg Jeffries mm, is a pretty good example. Yeah. I'm having a hard time thinking. Or, or, or what about like Fernando Vina? That's that's more early 2000s. Yeah. 
But I'm trying to think of who played second base for the Cardinals. You had in the, the line of the Sure, Mark Grudzelonic. No, that was two thousand. Two thousands as well. Yeah, that was mid two thousands. Um, but anyway, like, yeah. okay, think about this. Let's say the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Let's say they make my dreams come true right. and they do sign Manny Machado. Yep. So then across the infield, you would have Paul. He's not good for the clubhouse. He's not a hustler. I'm not trying to listen to you, B-Fib. <laughs> you would have Paul Goldschmidt, Colton Wong, Manny Machado, and then Paul DeYoung. That would be that sounds your, awful. That would be your infield. And then your outfield, Ozuna, Bader, and then probably Fowler and right field. All four of those guys might start the All-Star game. In oh, the, well. Could. No one's starting over Nolan Arenado at third. Paul Paul Gold, Paul Goldschmidt and Manny Machado would be for your sure. all stars. Those yeah. two would be your all stars, probably for sure. Someone's getting the nod over Wong. Well, I mean Wong Wong's a good defensive player, but he's not put together a full year yet. But could you could Paul you imagine Wong is a hustler to be on the all star team? <laughs> could you imagine the middle of that lineup though? You'd have Machado, Goldschmidt, and let's say hopefully a healthy and motivated Marcelo Zuna. That would be ah, that would be the heart of your lineup. Yeah. It'll be I, strong to quite strong. I, I look at it as an opportunity. So here's something for you. If in some dream world the Cardinals do go ahead and sign Manny Machado and obviously he goes to play short, why is it assumed that we would trade Matt Carpenter over someone like Jose Martinez? Why not keep Matt Carpenter as a guy who can play third and first? DeYoung then becomes your utility infielder up the middle. I think it honestly. You so but, you, so basically, what you're saying is that you would start Matt Carpenter over DeYoung. I w- you have the option to when okay. you get rid of him. Obviously, you don't have the option. But is Paul Carpenter- Goldschmidt cannot play first base every single day. No, you're right. I mean, that's probably Paul DeYoung cannot play third base every single is day. Carp- so you're saying Carpenter's your bench guy? Well, okay, well, it could be. I think you have a lot more flexibility if that happens over keeping well, over not keeping Jose Martinez. Okay, well, like they're probably not going to get rid of Jose Martinez because of uh, the I way mean, that he could play right. first and the outfield. And if they, if they were going to trade Jose Martinez, I think they would have done it by now. So they're going to hold on to him. So, I mean, there's your substitute at first, and you still have Jed Jerko on the team. He can be your substitute at third. I just think you have more flexibility. You position your players. Be- and we're talking about something that God knows is not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No, this is all hypothetical. So we're getting worked up over nothing. We really are. <laughs> I mean, even on Twitter, people were getting worked up over I saw, it. And- I saw it today, and I was just like, I saw the word Matt Carpenter. I knew that's all it was. I was like, I'm <laughs> bowing out of this one. I don't Did want it, it generate a lot of uh, a lot of clicks and a lot of interest? I didn't, I didn't see the Twitter. Oh, I had a busy cool. day today. Okay. Fancy hair got into it. I saw that oh, Schaefer boy. Schaefer started throwing his tongue out there. Schaefer and I, I like fancy hair. <laughs> fancy hair. I like I like Brendan Schaefer, and I mean, like he and I, yeah, yeah. we were we were kind of going back and forth about it. He's and he's throwing stats, and I can't argue against stats, right? But I'm like I'm like, look, I'm not trying to tell you that Matt Carpenter is a bad player. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of his, and neither is Crash. But I'm not saying he's a terrible player. That's not the point. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying is okay. Dexter Fowler, Dexter Fowler is so much better than what Matt Carpenter is. That's why you're keeping Dexter Fowler. That's not why you're keeping Dexter Fowler. You're keeping Fowler because you can't move him. Yeah, you can release him, but at what cost? You have more financial flexibility with Carpenter than you do with Dexter. Absolutely, Fowler. and Carpenter's 33. Yeah, that's another thing too. You want to get you want to trade these players while you can still get something decent for them. And and Matt Carpenter, I think, does have value on the market. Absolutely, yeah. he does. Yeah, in, there, in there some be, role, he does. There'd be an American League team right now that would probably take him for a DH. Oh, absolutely. Guy focuses just on hitting, which is, I mean, it's not even art. It is the best aspect of his game. 
There's not no question that that's not, the best aspect not, of his not game. Not that he's a consistent hitter by any means, but when he gets it going, he really gets it going. I mean, there are really too many consistent hitters in, in Major League Baseball anymore. Jose Altuve would beg to differ. He's, he's, <laughs> he might be it. But, I mean, like everybody else is usually pretty streaky. I feel you. I feel you. I mean, it's, it's a long season. It's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to I'm saying, sustain that. Well, yeah, no one hits 800 the entire year, but Matt Carpenter, you know, has – seasons and or weeks of the season where he hits for close to 400 and then he hits near 100 the rest of the season. Schaefer was right. I said that that you know that Carpenter was an MVP candidate for 6 weeks. Yeah. He's right. No, it was more like the summer. Yeah. May, June, June July. July. Yeah, June, July, August, May, June, July, whatever. Yeah. He was pretty good. Had he sustained that, and he could tw- have had a legitimate, I think a legitimate argument. And then towards the end when we really needed it, I'm not saying that he that he folded under the pressure, but I'm just saying right. that towards the end of the season he kind of petered out. Yeah, well, you know, just, it so, was hard to sustain the rate at absolutely which he was it at. is. Yeah, I'm not saying that he quit or that he was weak or anything like that. I'm just saying that towards the end of the season, yeah, he really wasn't as good. That, that he had a bad September. I'm right there with you. So I would sign Manny Machado. I'm going to keep saying it until he signs with another team. There's always hope. There's always hope. There's like it's like the girl that you have a crush on. There's always hope until you see her walk down the aisle. Yep. Even then, you know, she could be a slut. <laughs> Andy Hanselman always with that fresh perspective <laughs> when it comes to relationships. That's right. That's what I bring. I bring that kind of heat. Hey, this is Jeff Stadia with NFL.com and NFL Network, and you're listening to the Last Man Up podcast. These are one of those songs you gotta like let it go. Yeah, let this one breathe. Let it breathe a little bit. Let it ride. Joining us on the phone right now is Benjamin Albright from Rocky Mountain Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Albright NFL. Ben, how's it feel to be one of the most hated men on Twitter? Because it seems like every single time I log on, I'm, I'm scrolling through my timeline. It's always you uh, quote tweeting somebody who is on your ass about something. <laughs> well, I'd be disappointed if I'm only one of the most hated. I, I'm going for that most hated title. So, <laughs> I think you're one of the most hated. I I really do, and I, I don't and I don't I, get it. I would take it and run with it. I would enjoy that. Oh yeah, it's oh, a badge I enjoy of honor. It. I, I embrace kind of the stuff, hell out of that. That kind of stuff makes me. Yeah, I, I get fueled by that. I, I, I enjoy that stuff. <laughs> I right. like the Philip Rivers of Twitter. I, I yes. love that stuff. Great comparison. <laughs> Speaking of Philip Rivers, we're now 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 down to four in the NFL. Philip Rivers and the Chargers couldn't get it done in New England, so uh, Tom Brady and them boys are heading to Kansas City to take on the Kansas City Chiefs, and then we have the Rams going to New Orleans to take on the Saints. Um, what, what's the key for the road teams here to win to win their uh, to win their games on Sunday? Well, first of all, I want to re-express my disappointment, Philip Rivers, because that knocked out my perfect streak. I had a preseason pick six years running of at least one team in the Super Bowl, and uh, this year I had the Chargers and Falcons, so no no cookie for me this year. Oh, well, uh, yeah. Um, that Falcons one really hurt you, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah as far as the uh, – as far as the um, – the teams that are remaining, specifically the road teams, it's, it's going to be tough. 
Uh, I think the Rams probably have it easier. I know everybody's been down on the Patriots. I'm not down on the Patriots. I just think they've got a tough cast. Kansas City's defense, very good at home. They, they stink on the road. They stink out loud on the road. But at home, they're a very good defense, uh, as we saw against the Chargers, um, excuse me, Colts um, last week. So, you know, I think it, it's going to be tough. If, if I'm the New England Patriots, I'm looking at that defense. It's designed to get a lead and come after you with the, with the pass rush. So what I'm doing is slowing the game down early. We're coming out two tight ends, and we're running power. Uh, and I think that that's, that's probably the key to beating Kansas City. Get them back on their heels so they can't come downhill at you uh, and then punch them in the mouth uh, off of play action. As far as the you know the Rams and Saints go, the Rams are going to have to use that one-two head uh, rushing attack that they've got. C.J. Anderson is like a bowling ball with knives, and Todd Gurley is uh, you know one of the best running backs in the league. And I think you come at him with a one-two punch. I think you throw everybody off with uh, with with fake jet motion, um, you know, and then you, and you come downhill after him. And I think the Rams' rushing attack can uh, can beat him. Everybody talks about the Rams and McVay and that passing attack, but it really keys off that rushing game. Ben, something we were talking about right before you came on was from an NFL perspective, could you not ask for a better championship matchup between the AFC and the NFC? I mean, I mean, it's arguably the four best teams at the start of the year, mid season are now ending the year and we're all getting to enjoy that. What are, what are your thoughts? Well, I think that's it. I think you, there's all kinds of storylines here. Both the AFC and NFC have an old guard versus young guard quarterback, you know, storyline. There's a four best teams, four best offenses, uh, you know, strong uh, rushing games across the board. Kansas City is somewhat diminished by uh, Kareem Hunt, his nonsense, but Damian Williams has looked strong and, you know, uh, you know, in relief. Um, you know, I think you look across the board and you, and you see uh, four very complete teams, very complete football teams. And I think it lends to all kinds of storylines. And, you know, I think just about every matchup, every conceivable Super Bowl matchup uh, that comes out of this has me excited. It's got to be, you know, it's great matchups when the least exciting Super Bowl matchup is Patriots-Rams. Right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it probably would be. And, at least, and the most least popular Super Bowl right. here in, in the St. Louis metropolitan area. Uh, you mentioned it before about the two-headed running back attack that the Rams have with C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley. I was kind of surprised to see Sean McVay commit to the run as much as he did in the game against the Cowboys because one thing that I've seen Rams fans complain about is how McVay abandons the run game so early and falls in love with the pass. Do you think he'll still be able to maintain that same kind of attitude on Sunday, especially if he sees Drew Brees and Michael Thomas making that connection? Uh, you know, I think so. The Saints have struggled in the second half of the season with getting going early. Uh, they're going to really need to get points on the board quick because, you know, they're not a team that's really, you know, we talk about their offense, but they're not really a team that's equipped to come back from large deficits like that. They're, they're, they're a team that's kind of equipped to trade punches with you, hope to turn you over, and then turn the gas on. And so, you know, I think that if you're the Rams, that's another thing that you're going to want to do. You don't want to punch them in the mouth with that run game. You're going to want to impose your will early and force them to be one-dimensional. The Saints are at their most dangerous when you don't know what's coming. Uh, but when you when you have, when you know for a fact Drew Brees is dropping back, you know it's going to be the mid-game passing, you know that you know it's going to be five-step drops, that's when you can turn on those those afterburners with Donald and, and, and Brockers and Sue and get after him, and that's where he's going to turn the ball over and make a mistake. So if you're, the, if you're the Rams, come out running early. You know, Set that thing up. Make yourself one-dimensional. And then get New Orleans off balance and you can win that game. Ben, I, something that impressed me is probably the biggest thing that impressed me over the last weekend was the sheer dominance that New England uh, put on San Diego. And for me, I get a big kick out of it because everyone's like, oh my gosh, the Patriots are good again. And I laugh because it's like, 
they were good from the get go. You just continue to doubt. They've been good them, for like twenty years, and they continue to win. I I mean, are the are the Patriots you know laughing at the rest of the league at this point or what? Well, I don't know if the Patriots are laughing at the rest of the league because <laughs> this this little uh, narrative they've constructed where it's us against the world and we're the underdogs is uh, is ludicrous. I mean, it's at the levels of mental gymnastics that it takes to get to that level should get them a ten on the floor routine. <laughs> uh, you know. Look, the Patriots have been favored in 61 straight football games. The idea that they're the underdog in anything or that anybody's disrespecting them is just is so laughable, I don't even know where to begin. Um, yeah, the pundits pick the Chargers and stuff like that, but that's because that's what they do. Talk shows like that, they get up there and they pick the other guy because you know, it generates talking points. Uh, and, you know, that's why people like Skip Bayless and all that kind of stuff have a career, because they, they say the opposite. So they say something dumb. They recognize that honest analysis is only going to get you people to agree with honest analysis. Uh, but if you say something outlandish, well, now all the people that agree with that outlandish thing are going to tune in. Plus, all the people who don't agree with it are going to tune in just to yell at you for saying something stupid. So guys like that are just trying to manipulate eyeballs. It's the same thing with the Patriots here. No sane person believes the Patriots don't have a chance. Ben Albright from Rocky Mountain Sports joining us on the phone right now. You can follow him on Twitter at Albright NFL. Um, the Eagles, they have a decision to make the day after the Super Bowl on Nick Foles and whether or not they're going to keep him or extend him. I saw you tweet something out today that you think that he is headed to Jacksonville possibly. Uh, what is that just uh, something that you're hearing from the inside or just kind of what your gut's telling you? A little bit of both. Um, we'll see if it shakes out. It's something that they're they're discussing. I'll put it that way. Um, you know, I, here's the thing. If I were Philadelphia, I might hang on to Foles. Yeah. I think Carson Wentz is a superior quarterback. Don't get me wrong. I do. Absolutely. 100%. However, I think that in this particular case, in that particular city, in that particular offense, the Eagles have, have captured that lightning in a bottle, you know, that, that magic scenario that works for them. I think Foles works in that system. Uh, and so, you know, if I'm looking at this, I'm saying, well, you know, I can get a third-round compensatory if Nick Foles walks. Maybe if I franchise him, I can talk somebody into dealing me a first or a second, you know, that kind of thing. But what could I get for Carson Wentz? Carson Wentz is going to give me two firsts and, a, and, and a, another pick at least. True. And so what's the production difference between the two? We've seen Nick Foles can carry you to a Super Bowl. We've seen he can carry you to the playoffs. You know, Wentz hasn't made it to a season healthy yet. So, you know, at this point in time, what I'm saying is what's the productivity difference versus what's the, the reward I can get back from trading the guy? We've seen scenarios like this where a team captured lightning in a bottle and hung on to Kurt Warner and traded away Trent Green or hung on to Tom Brady and traded away Drew Bledsoe. So these scenarios exist. Um, the Eagles aren't going to do it, but it's something I would certainly consider. And, I mean, another thing to consider as well, too, Nick Foles, out, I mean, he's not like he's an old man. I mean, right. he's, still, he's still a fairly young quarterback. And other than wearing twenty nine years old, and other yeah, exactly. And other than wearing an Eagles uniform, Nick Foles hasn't exactly set the world on fire. It right. seems like he could only he puts on that green and those hel- and the helmet with the wings, and he's great. If he wears anything else, he's not. So you may have a point there. That's that they, exactly it. I, 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 and I can't explain it. Yeah. I can't explain it. I heard this. Nope. You, you may get a kick out of this. I heard this on Levitar's show, and I laughed out loud when they said this. They kind of said it tongue in cheek, but it was pretty funny that they should hold the Eagles should hold on to both and then start the season with Carson Wentz, and then when there's like week eleven, pull Wentz and starts and start uh, Nick Foles. And he's like a closer, yeah. like you do in baseball. You got a starter, you got your starter quarterback, and then you got re- your reliever quarterback. Maybe I thought that was kind of funny. That's- 
It's not the worst idea I've ever heard. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's just one of those things, though, where you, you look at this, and he's never been successful outside of Doug Peterson. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, he had a little Chip Kelly, you know, thing going on, but that, that, that city and that system are kind of what worked for him. And so I, I, would, I would not want Nick Foles in another city. Uh, you know, last time we saw Nick Foles in another city was uh, when he was with the Rams. Yeah, he, he was got here. benched yep. for Case Keenum, who outperformed him. Uh, ben, plenty of new coaches in the NFL have been hired or targeted or talked to in the last couple of weeks. You've got Cliff Kingsbury down in Arizona. You've got Bruce Arians in Tampa Bay now with Todd Bowles, who's a former Jets coach. Uh, Rams QB coach is on the move. Uh, Zach Taylor to Cincinnati. I'm curious, and, and we talked a little bit about this week. For me, the biggest head-scratcher has got to be Kingsbury in Arizona. But I'm curious to know who you like out of these new coaching hires and why. Uh, you know, there's, there's a couple of them. I, you know, there's, there's some I, I I'm kind of down on some I'm ambivalent on and some I'm, I'm kind of high on, uh, you know, Adam Gates seems like the retreadiest of retreads. Yeah. Um, I'm a little concerned. I'm a little concerned with Vic Fangio, uh, being 60 years old and getting his first head coaching job. The career winning percentage for coaches, um, you know, in that criterion is, is awful. It's like 24%. Uh, the only coach ever with a winning record in that scenario is Bruce Arians. Um, but the staff that they put around Fangio actually makes that look like it may work. So we'll see. Uh, you know, Ed Donatello is DC. Um, uh, they brought in Scandarello. He's going to be the OC later today. Uh, and then uh, they added Mike Munchak as the offensive line coach. I think those are solid additions. So, you know, we'll kind of see how that works out. Um, the Cliff Kingsbury thing blows my mind. Uh, it really does. I just <laughs> don't understand here. how you take. You take a guy who failed as a head coach in Texas Tech. His, his biggest season was an eight-win season. Uh, his first year, it was all downhill from there. He ran off Baker Mayfield to keep Davis Webb. Ran off Davis Webb for Pat Mahomes, and then couldn't win with Pat Mahomes. How can you not win with Pat Mahomes at the college level? Yeah. Uh, so you know, looking at you know, looking at what he's done, and then looking at the staff he's putting together. Vance Joseph is a defensive coordinator. I, you know, Vance was okay, but that's going to be a lot of cover zero they're running, which is going to give up big plays. Um, I just, you know, I just don't know about that hire. I, I maybe he'll show me something, but I, I don't get that one. Uh, Zach Taylor, fresh-faced guy. Um, you know, his family's an acquaintance of mine. That, that'll be interesting. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I didn't know Zach was ready, but you know, we'll kind of see how that goes. They're going to bring Bill Callahan along to be the O-line coach, so that'll be fun. Uh, and Ryan Tannehill will probably wind up there as the quarterback this off-season as well. They'll, they'll move on from Andy Dalton. So, oh, wow. Um, breaking yeah, I think bre- breaking news are, right here. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't realize I was breaking stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's great. Uh, Sean McVay, he's 33, and he's already got a coaching tree. How, how crazy is that? He's already got a coaching well, tree. Yeah, that's, that's fun. That's, that's interesting. When you look at the, the coaching trees out there, though, the NFL is really being dominated by offshoots of – it's all Bill Walsh tree, uh, but it's offshoots of that. You're either under the Andy Reid branch of the Bill Walsh tree or the, uh, the Mike Shanahan branch of the, of the Walsh tree. It's yeah. interesting to note – you know, which of these coaches kind of feel it, whether that's Nagy, you know, under the uh, Reed side and Peterson, that kind of thing, or whether it's, you know, Kyle Shanahan and, and Zach Taylor and Sean McVay and stuff on the Mike Shanahan side. So it's, it's just interesting to see. A big question out there for you guys in Denver is who's going to be the quarterback of that franchise going forward. Uh, we had did notice that uh, team president John Elway was spending a lot of time in Columbia, Missouri, taking a look at Drew Locke. Uh, do you think that those two seem to be on the collision course? Drew Locke and whom? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. And uh, and your team out there in Denver, the Broncos. Yes, they're 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 very uh, very high on Drew Locke. You know, nothing's 100 percent at this point, obviously, but they're very high on him. And 
um, you know, I, I would suggest that if he's there at 10 at this point, it looks likely that, uh, that the Broncos would take him. Interesting. Interesting. Indeed. So- if we're going to have you on, the thing that we have to talk about, you're on in St. Louis. You did make some wigs a few weeks ago um, about the Chargers and saying that if I'm St. Louis, I'm not saying you should make a pitch to the Chargers, but you should make a pitch to the Chargers. <laughs> uh, it does not look like it is going well for them out in L.A. They're, they're uh, already kind of lowering their expectations as far as revenue goes. Uh, they made it pretty far in the playoffs. I don't think anybody in L.A. noticed or even cared. If you're in St. Louis, how do you make that pitch? Do you like use the leverage that you have in this lawsuit against the NFL and say, "Okay, look, we got this lawsuit against you. We have all this discovery. Uh, you don't want to to disclose how this whole uh, relocation thing happened. Find some way to get the Chargers here in St. Louis and find and help us finance the stadium and the whole thing's dropped. Do you think that's their best leverage? I think so. Um, you know, and I think that's that's kind of how you have to do it. You're going to have to put together a stadium package and a tax exemption deal uh, for the Spanos family, and I think they'll do it. The Spanos family is one of the, uh, and I, you know, I say this kind of tongue in cheek, but poorer owners in the yeah. NFL. <laughs> um, you know, nobody who's an owner in the NFL is poor, but you know, they just don't have the cash and the cash reserves to do things, which is why they're kind of stuck. You know, as tenants under Stan Kroenke, which is humiliating for the Spanos family because the way this was all originally done is Spanos and Kroenke were going to move to LA together. Uh, and then Kroenke snaked Spanos behind his back, went out, bought the land, and planned on doing it himself. Spanos found out about it, got upset, put together that plan with Mark Davis, and they tried to move out there to Los Angeles to compete it. Um, Kroenke, of course, had way more money and easily bought his way into it. And then, uh, you know, those other guys moved on. Davis ends up in Las Vegas on his own, and it was Spanos on his knees begging, you know, begging Kroenke to take him as his, his basically sublet, you know, his stadium some of the yeah. time and give up more profit. So, you know, it's just a bad situation all the way around. So the, the, the Chargers were kind of humiliated by that. And I think that, you know, having the opportunity to go into St. Louis and be successful, I think if the fan turnout was, you know, was good and, uh, and, the, and the deal they put in front of them was good, I think that would be a big boost uh, for them. And I think they'd love the chance to kind of get back, you know, at Cronky that way. I kind of seem, it seems like the Chargers in the city of St. Louis, they kind of need each other too. I think it's kind of a, a good way to see it. A team that needs to be loved and a city that wants to love a team. They're kind of looking for each other. You know, they're like you're, you're the, two lovers. They're in the the, those, those awkward teenagers in, in the 80s rom-com that you're watching that you know that you're hoping are going to get together. Strangers in the night. Thank you, Andy Hanselman. <laughs> We're dancing on the uh, opposite sides of the uh, gym right now. The, the, there you go. To find each other. So l- 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 <laughs> let's say the stars do not align and they do not end up here, but do you see them They're having a long-term uh, future in L.A.? If it's not in L.A., then where to? I mean, I can't see them going back to San Diego. I'm not sure what another option would be. Oakland maybe after the Raiders leave? Uh, no, I, and I doubt both those. I, it, the San Diego won't be an option, West. Uh, the current political regime is, is completely gone. Uh, just due to some bad blood there. Um, I don't think it'll be Oakland because the, the political climate there is even worse. Um, and they're not the right identity. You know, the Chargers are not the not the Raiders, and, and, and Oakland's not going to accept that. Uh, plus, you've got San Fran right across the bay. Uh, yeah. San Antonio would be a, a market. However, Jerry Jones has He'll steered that several teams nail. away from that. Yeah, him and Bob McNair steered people away from that. In fact, they were the biggest proponents for Kroenke in L.A., uh, and then they steered Mark Davis away from 
San Antonio moved him to Las Vegas. So um, that was kind of the, the backdoor deal there. Uh, Mexico City is a possibility. However, uh, with political tensions being what they are, um, you know, I don't know that that's a, a realistic one. But that's one the NFL would like to explore. They they tried the London thing. It hadn't worked. Logistics are weird. But Mexico City is not a logistically weird um, you know, place. It's more about security. And Absolutely. You know, if they could guarantee security, uh, then that would be you know an ideal thing. Ben Albright from Rocky Mountain Sports. Uh, let's hear your your Super Bowl prediction. Who's going? Let's see, who's winning on Sunday. Who gets who gets to? I got to I got to take the home teams in both of these. Uh-huh. Uh, you just you know the, the veteran experience of Drew Brees in that dome, and then uh, the Chiefs and, and Mahomes. I think that they can go toe to toe with the with the Patriots in their, on their home turf. So I'm gonna take the two home teams: Kansas City, New Orleans Super Bowl. Um, I'm, I'm there to see it. I'm there to see Mahomes versus Brees. You know the quote unquote MVP candidates, as it were. So yeah. I think it's gonna be a good matchup. Ben Albright, we appreciate your time, sir. Enjoy the games this weekend. Absolutely, you guys take care. Thank you for listening to the Last Man Up podcast. You can follow the show on Twitter at Last Man Up Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Burger. Follow Clay at Ton of Clayton. And you can follow Andy Hanselman at Emo6. Hey, uh, Ella Dorsey, who is a meteorologist for Atlanta's CBS 46, says watching The Bachelor instead of the CFP National Championship means women won't get asked on a second date. Here's her tweet. Ladies... If you spent Monday night watching The Bachelor instead of the national championship game and you're wondering why you haven't gotten asked on that second date, well, that probably has a lot to do with it. Oh, I mean, I, that just got nothing to do with it. I, honestly, I would rather date a girl who doesn't care that much about sports. You know, I should have recorded a fart noise and tweeted it because it would have been of <laughs> equal, equal value. Because I've had people ask me that. They're like, are you looking for a girl that loves sports? I'm like, if she does, that's great, but she doesn't have to. It's not a requirement. No, not oh. at all. After a lot of criticism, Dorsey later tried to back off 12 hours later. Shocking. Yeah. By saying she was joking. Y'all, it was a joke. Emo- uh, emoji with the crying tears laughing. Chill. Why so serious? So there you go. Because you're, Everything's you're, a joke when you get called out. That's exactly. You're, that's you're that's right. always the move. Uh-huh, I was just joking. Uh-huh. It, was taken, it was taken out of context. Mike Kliss, K-L-I-S, argues Broncos are right not to let assistant coaches interview for other jobs four years after criticizing Bengals for a similar policy. Mike Kliss tweets, Smart move by Elway by not letting any team talk to his assistant coaches until new head coach evaluates holdover staff. It's about the Broncos. Per league sources, Sean Kugler has drawn interest from multiple teams, but Denver not letting any team talk to a respected OL coach. I kind of agree with that. Yeah. I mean, as long as you're under contract. Yeah, there's no reason. There's no reason, yeah. It's yeah a pro- so- and it's a professional. It's not like you're being held again. It's, it's not like NCAA where if like the coach gets fired – you know the players. You know have the ability to transfer, or whatever, something similar to that. It's not something similar to that, but yeah, I mean it makes I've absolute got, I've sense. Got no, like, yeah, I've got no problem with. You that. should have the head coach in place, and he evaluates who he wants to hire and fire. Jen Rainwater calls Kyler Murray a stupid, selfish baby and brat. Says she'll laugh if he gets hurt in the NFL. Jen Rainwater at baseball underscore Jen to at the Kyler Murray, you aren't going to be great in the NFL and to think many of us were rooting for you. You're just a stupid, selfish baby and brat. I never say this, but I won't care a bit when you suck or critically injured and you're a rookie NFL season. Middle finger emoji. In fact, I will likely tweet. Who is Jen Rainwater? Right. I know who that is. Jen Rainwater is a piece of shit. Uh, she was a front page writer for SB Nation's Oakland A's blog, Athletic Nation. Oh, okay. Sick. 
fucking blogger. Yeah. Good for her. <laughs> like bloggy has ever gotten anybody anywhere. <laughs> uh, oh, tweet dire- oh, there's there's more to the tweet. Uh, tweet directly to you just to laugh. Again, the crying emoji, and say so many people, myself included, and I'm no former NFL QB or anything, told you so. I can't wait to see your dumbass go down in flames. It's only a short matter of time. Oh, and NFL contracts aren't guaranteed. Like Kyler Murray doesn't. Kyler Murray doesn't right. know that. How Fucking many Jane, Jen Rainwater? How many innings of baseball do you think Jen Rainwater has seen Kyler Murray? Kyler Murray play. Probably close to zero. I'm going in with person none. and probably just YouTube clips online. But yeah, I'm going I'd, with none. I mean, there's. I'm not giving her the benefit of the doubt by any means, but yeah, it, I the whole thing with the Oakland A's like that's a little dirty. But the, if you really wanted that guy, you shouldn't have ever let him go play college football. And you should never maybe drafted him first, right? We, no, first knowing pick, that that knowing that that was a possibility, be an option, no, should never, never. I know, I know baseball teams won't draft a kid that if they think they can't sign him. They love all the talent, but they're like, there's no way we're going to be able to sign this kid. We're not going to draft and him. And from an Oakland perspective, you're one of the poorest teams, if not the Absolutely. poorest team on the market. Like, you're not the Yankees and you gamble that away because you'd go sign. No, like, you need to get kids to keep the kids. Absolutely. I don't know. Uh, ESPN 102.5 Nashville host Jared Stillman claims Deshaun Watson needs to dress better. Stillman tweets, I know I like I know like I'm going to sound like an old pawpaw, but seriously, Deshaun Watson is oh but seriously, Deshaun Watson is a starting quarterback in the NFL and he couldn't dress better. You're not a corner or a wide receiver. You're a QB, you're a brand. Talking about what he saw, what Deshaun Watson was wearing on the sideline of the national title game when he was on Clinton. Yes. Yeah. You mean someone's not allowed to dress how they want to dress in their own free time? I mean, it's not like what he was wearing was offensive. Right. I mean, he was it was casual. He was well, going Deshaun, to a freaking football game. Deshaun yeah. Watson uh, replied. He took the bait. Okay. Idiot. LMAO, my brand is pretty solid, Jared. I think I was very comfortable and chill to cheer on my university. Yeah, I mean, that's all you say. That's what an idiot. God. If people yeah. know who Deshaun Watson is and not who that idiot the is. The saddest initially. part is, is that guy that tweets that idiotic crap gets paid probably more than any of us in this room. That's sad. That's incredibly sad. We should we should start doing that. We should start, start calling out uh, quarterbacks in their wardrobe and whether yep. or not we approve of it. Yep. Uh, amazingly, Stillman didn't even have the worst Watson take of the week, according, according to uh, Awful Announcing. That goes to PHP Agency and Insurance Company CEO Patrick Bet David. Uh, he says there's something wrong with this picture of Watson celebrating Clemson's win after the Texans' loss. Uh, Patrick Bet David tweets, He's on track to be the Dwight Howard of the NFL. You're celebrating three days after losing to the Colts as the starting quarterback. Oh, no, sorry. That was a question. As a starting quarterback? <laughs> there's inflection in my voice. You, you want to hear something? I'm Ron Burgundy? <laughs> the pain of uh, a loss in the playoffs can't go away that quickly. There's something wrong with this picture. I, could, I should have brought this up when we had been on. When I had been on my 590 show during the NFL draft, when, yep. when Deshaun Watson was going into the draft, yep. I asked him, I go, who's the one player that you would not even touch with a 10-foot pole? And without hesitation, he said Deshaun Watson. What was without, his reasoning? I, I forgot what it was. But, like, Rocchio and I looked, Matt Rocchio and I looked at each other like, wow, we were kind of surprised. Yeah. You know, like, Deshaun Watson, he was a pretty good college player. Great college player. Yeah. What makes you think that he's not going to be a very good pro? And I, for, I forgot what he said. And after he had that, ever was it last season when he got caught on fire? I said, I said, I'll write a message. I'm like, don't worry. I burned that tape of you saying that Watson was a bum. <laughs> There's a couple of honorable mentions this week. Colin Coward compares working for Nick Saban to Scientology. 
And Stephen A. Smith says Cliff Kingsbury should be on The Bachelor instead of coaching in the NFL. Well, Cliff That's- Kingsbury, we got to give a round of... Okay, he's not qualified to be the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, but we got to give a round of applause to Cliff Kingsbury for this. He's the guy who landed Holly Saunders, so... Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Round of applause to Cliff Kingsbury. Well done, sir. Well done. Well done. He's objectively a good-looking guy. He is. And he, he was on... Uh, <laughs> Not he, to question my own masculinity, but that guy's pretty good-looking. I'm, co- I'm comfortable with my no, sexual he's identity. A good, he's, he's a good-looking good guy. Dude. He is. He looks, good like looking Ryan, he, he looks like Ryan Gosling for, for the women out there who listen to our podcast that don't know who Cliff Kingsbury is. From Awful Announcing, those are the top five hot takes of the week. Thank, I'm Andy Hanselman. Thank you very much, Andy Hanselman. Uh... Cliff Kingsbury, when he was on Levitard, Dan asked him, I'm like, he's like, if you're recruiting somebody and it's a, and it's a single mom, do you flirt with a single mom and try to land a recruit? And he goes, hell yeah, I do. Why wouldn't you? Why, I would too. Flaunt it if you got it. Exactly. That's what <laughs> Tupac said. Actually, I think Tupac said, if you got it, flaunt it, let the liquor, let the liquor help you get up on it. There it is. That is that Much is, different words that than is what a line, I said. That is a line from Tupac. Uh, very quickly, who's winning this weekend? Uh, I like the home teams too. I don't think the Rams are ready fully. Uh, I think it, it's going to take one more punch in the face from Drew Brees. I just think Drew Brees and Tom Brady are destined uh, to to ride off in the sunset together and that being meeting one last time in the Super Bowl. I like both Mahomes and I like uh, Jared Goff. I like Todd Gurley, but uh, I think at the end of the day, New England and the Saints win this weekend. Okay, Andy Hanselman, who do you have? I like uh, the Rammies, the Fighting Rammies, formerly of St. Louis, and uh, it's gonna be it's it's a tough pick, but I'm gonna go Kansas City. I am going with St. Louis worst nightmare. I'm going the New England Patriots oh, wow. and the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, that that is going to be a very cold game. Yep. on Sunday, so cold in Arrowhead. I'm not sure how Patrick Mahomes is going to respond to the cold. I know how tra- Tom Brady is going to respond to the cold yep. because he always plays great in it. That running game they have going really well. That defense is going really well for New England too. It's Bill Belichick. Yep. You know, with Kansas City, there's there's too many question marks. There's too many ifs. I'm pulling for Kansas City. I do not want to see Tom Brady win yeah. another Super Bowl for as long as I live, but I have a feeling that he's going back there. Yeah. And then uh, in New Orleans, I, the, the, the Saints have not looked good the past month, month plus. They just haven't looked right on offense. Yeah. I think they really miss they, – they need another another wide receiver to, to go with Michael, Michael Thomas. Thomas, yeah. They just don't have that that complimentary wide receiver. I know they have like Ted Ginn. They have a couple other people, but they're not a true number two. And only scoring twenty points against the Philadelphia Eagles, and they're supposed to be a pretty banged up defense. Scoring twenty points is not going to get it done against the Rams. No, it's just not going to get it no. done. And the Rams have too many weapons. You got Cooks, you got Woods, you got Tyler Higby, you got C.J. Anderson now, and and you got Todd Gurley, and you still got that defense that's that's still pretty good. I got a feeling it's going to be Rams, Patriots in the Super Bowl, and St. Louis is going to be watching reruns of Lois and Clark. Can't wait to watch. (laughs) Special thanks to Benjamin Albright from Rocky Mountain Sports. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at AlbrightNFL. Everybody be safe this weekend, and we'll catch you on the other side. True story. True story. story. (laughs) Uh, Like, shoot, six years ago, myself and BJ Kissel, you guys know him, I think, is at Chiefs Reporter, road tripping down to, um, road tripping down to the Senior Bowl in Mobile, 
uh, we throw on this this radio station, and Mark Morrison's Return of the Mac comes on. This is like we're driving through rural Alabama at like one in the morning, right? Because uh, we've been driving down from Kansas City at the time, and uh, so that song comes on. So I'm live tweeting this shit. So I, I like you know I tweeted out, but you know Return of the Mac, my channel's on. This is one thirty in the morning. Out of nowhere, Mark Morrison favorites the tweet. We didn't tag him in it. That is awesome. We did not tag him in it. So Mark Morrison is literally name searching himself in the dead of January at one a.m. for no reason. 